that wasn't the best, you know. No. I had like a little. It got jammed up there. Yeah, for it a got second. a little jammed up in there. What's up, everybody, and welcome to Mostly Film. I am one of your hosts. No, I'm not. This is your one-stop chaotic shop for all things in the world of That's film. That's right. Which, listen, if I get the intro wrong, got it right every time, that'd be boring. Not knowing what's coming is part of the, you know, it's like the jump scare from Insidious. Sure. You never know what's going to happen. It might just go yeah. quiet. Boo! And then you're scared. You know, you're jumped. You've gone crazy. And I'm one of your hosts, John Smokeporter. <laughs> I'm joined by my beautiful co-host, JP Paton. <laughs> and uh, we are sitting over here and we're yeah. recording. Yeah. And it's time to discuss. Fargo and the Lady Killers in the opposite order. We were supposed to watch three films this week. Yeah. We were supposed to watch Miller's Crossing 2, which I did. I did watch. I fell asleep a couple times, but not at the fault of the film. I watched it too late and I had a long day that day. So I was like, fell asleep four different times in there. And like, I I subscribed to this theory that if you set an alarm and take a power nap, you can come back up and watch it. The Einstein effect? What? Wasn't it Einstein that it would just, he, he only took 15 minute naps. He would not, he would not actually go to sleep. He would take 15 minute naps. It may have been the bad Christian guys. Someone I've listened to before says they don't, they, they sleep like two hours at a time. That feels like a Toby thing. I think it was actually Matt. Okay. I think it was Matt. Um, says he sleeps like two hours at a time. I mean, he's, he's old and a dad, so yeah. it's totally believable. Um, I don't listen to bad Christian anymore, but yeah, that's I, don't understandable. I don't have time anyway. <laughs> I still like him. I still like Toby the, and all the, the guys. The point being is we're supposed to do Miller's Crossing and I forgot. Yeah, I, I've been waiting all week for JP to log yeah. anything, and he logged nothing, which Listen, we discussed a little bit on uh, guys, Tuesday's episode. As I explained on Tuesday, I I had been busy, and it was it was hard. Life is hard sometimes. I don't have any excuses outside of the fact that life's hard. That's okay. Um, we'll 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 add Miller's Crossing to our list for next week. Next week we can do the three films. Yeah. Which is good because I did, like I said, I missed some things from Miller's Crossing, um, but I had it four stars because I probably saw 60% of it. Yeah. Really liked it. It's a fun little gangster film. I wasn't expecting that. So I really enjoyed what I saw of it. Um, and I love Steve Buscemi's character in it. And yeah. the guy, he's been like every freaking Coen Brothers movie. He's a bald guy. Uh, what was the movie we watched? The man who wasn't there. Remember the guy who was opening the dry cleaning chain? I think his name's John Polito. Yeah, he's in a he's one of the main family. main characters yeah, yeah. in this film. He's nice, great. Nice. He's great. Like, like he is. He is. He is a mobster at his core. I feel like yeah, that's just a lot the of type of film. character. Yeah, I really enjoyed what I saw of it. But anyway, for this week, we're going to talk about the Lady Killers and Fargo. Uh, then we're going to discuss kind of like. You know, the Coen brothers have musicals. So let's just go back to Terry Gilliam. If you've been listening with us for a while in our last director interview, we did Terry Gilliam. He had his set muses that he used, meaning he had a uh, a little be- repertoire of actors who were in a majority of his films, whether it was a cameo or a lead. He went back to the same well multiple times. I think of Jonathan Price. I think of Robin Williams. I think of, um, uh, well, obviously the Monty Python guys, uh, but excluding them. Um, who was, there was one more big one he, uh, collaborated with all, often beside Robin Williams and Jonathan Price. Uh, whoa, 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 whoa. Oh, um, Jeff Bridges. Well, Heath Ledger. Yeah, Heath Ledger, Heath Ledger Jeff Bridges. Yeah. They were both in them. Uh, Johnny Depp. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's important for an actor to, or a director to have a muse if you're going to make multiple films. And so far, we're into our, I don't know, what? This 13th? is... Uh, 11 and 12. This is our, so we're up to 12, our 12 Coen brother movies deep. And we've already seen multiple uses of John Goodman, uh, Steve Buscemi. Yeah. Uh, um, John Polito. Yeah. Um, Francis McDormand. Oh, Francis McDormand is top of the list. There's one more too. 
he has, he has the same bevy of um, people as well. Um, which this, when we get into Fargo, William H. Macy's amazing. Yes. I love William H. Macy yeah. and everything I've ever seen him in. I yeah. think so. Anyway, but let's start with the lady killers. This is an interesting. Oh, John Turturro. I don't know how I forgot about him. He's obviously. Yeah. He's obviously early, some earlier stuff for sure. Yeah. We've only, I think so far we've only seen one of him in Big Lebowski. Correct. Is Jesus. Yes. But, but we will see him in uh, two or three more coming up. Barton yeah, Fink. Barton Fink. And uh, I think he's in Miller's Crossing. I, I, I would peg him in, in, as someone that's what? in Miller's Excuse Crossing. Excuse me? Madonna? You okay. peg him in what? <laughs> this is going to be a running joke now, isn't it? Oh my gosh. Call me Guy Ritchie, man. Uh, so let's talk about the lady killers. Let's just jump right in. Yeah. We might uh, as well. Oh, wait. Sorry. I never finished my thought. We're going to talk about the importance of muses and directors yeah. and, and if they what benefit, if any, they add. And the pros and cons it, to each. Is it important for a director to have a muse? Yep. And we'll, you know, we'll talk about some examples and other directors and stuff like that and kind of see how it works and, yeah, totally. you know, stuff like that. So anyway, Lady Killers. This is one of um, his lower rated films. has like a three point or the Coen Brothers low, lower rated films has a 3.2, I believe, on Letterboxd. Yeah, it is 6.2 on IMBD. Um, I'll pull it up because I need to look at the cast. Anyway. It is. Uh, this was... Yeah. Two, oh no, it's a two point eight. Yeah, on Letterbox. On Letterbox. Yeah. Uh, so it gets a little bit better score on IMBD. Uh, Six point two would probably probably be like a three yeah. and a half. And, and when star. you hear, and this is a directed by both brothers, Joel and Ethan, uh, so co-directing. And when you hear Which that, normally turn out fantastic. Yeah. So you hear that one, that's a win. Then you have the cast of Tom Hanks, Irma Hall, Marlon Wayans, J.K. Simmons. Uh, Ryan Hurst. I didn't realize that's who's lump. Oh yeah. my gosh, it's Opie. Yeah, which you don't watch Sons of Anarchy. I did not realize that's Opie. But that's, oh my gosh! But that was uh, uh, is it? We are Marshall. Mm-hmm. He's in, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, no, remember um, the Titans. Remember the Titans. Yes. Yep. But this is a 2004 movie oh with that cast of people. Like that, that is Stephen Root. Blo- I forgot Stephen Root's oh, a nice little cameo. Not enough Stephen Root. I will, I will go ahead and say not enough Stephen Root. Uh, Bruce uh, Bruce Campbell, Greg Gunberg, Aldous Hodge. You had a lot of little cameo. Blake yeah. Clark as the football coach. Which You're was saying a fan- cameo. You're saying cameo. It's not cameo. How's that not a cameo? It's not a cameo. What do you mean? Because it's not they're a not playing themselves. The cameo doesn't have to mean they're playing themselves. It, it, it's a cameo. Is not just a short. Look! Look it up. I know you're you're looking it up right now. I, I am. I would love for you to scr- to give me the description of a cameo. Cameo: a small character part in a player movie. Character part. Character part. So they're playing a character that you would otherwise already know in a movie. I read that as a small character part, like they're playing a small character part in a film. So you could say literally any small small. Like, but it doesn't mean person. they have to play themselves. It, but it that's like saying... No, they can play themselves. Like, hey, they have an appearance as a cameo and they're playing themselves. I, I think I'm right. I think you're wrong. That's all it comes down to. <sighs> Wish we had a director. We knew. Oh, yeah? I don't have one. I don't know a director. <sighs> if you think I'm right, Jonathan's wrong, you can let us know. If you think Jonathan's right, I'm wrong. Just don't say anything at all. It's fine. Uh, the point being, though, is this movie is to say, say, you know, it, it's star-studded. It's loaded. I mean, when Tom yeah. Hanks is the lead in a Coen Brothers film with both brothers directing, this, you, you know, 
and, and the premise itself, a comedic heist. Yes. I mean, that's, you feel like it writes itself. Yeah. Um, I would have, I didn't get to do a whole lot of, uh, research in this. You're normal. You normally have done, done this by now. Um, of a little bit of backstory in the movie. I got a director kinda, on the phone. Oh no. All right. Hey, so I need a director's advice. Who's this You're director? On the podcast. What's up? So <laughs> it's a director. Don't worry about who it is. It's a right. porno director. Yes. A porno director. This is a porno director <laughs> on the phone right now. Listen, unnamed director, me and JP are in a debate right now. Okay. And I need your, I need your directorial advice. When there's a cameo in a film of an actor, you know what you, you know what I mean. Yep. I what, hope so. He's a director. I know. Well, I know. <laughs> if you're a director, you should know. What does that mean to you? The word cameo. <clears throat> um, kind of a surprise, just like a guest, just a small role. But is I this? Is this person playing a person that you would otherwise know them as outside of this movie? Meaning, or are they playing a character in the premise of this movie? So like l- let me sum this up to you in an A and a B. Your options are a cameo is simply, you know, a short, uh, let's just, let's say Keanu Reeves. So you're watching a movie. Keanu Reeves isn't really listed as an actor in it, but all of a sudden Keanu Reeves pops up and plays some weird random character for like two, like in the SpongeBob movie where he's a rolling, <laughs> like a rolling desert thing. That's a cameo appearance of Keanu Reeves. Or is it where Keanu Reeves comes into a film and he plays himself as Keanu Reeves? Uh... I feel like it could be both, but more so the first one. But you're always going to think of it as just the actor. But you said okay. more so the first so, one. That's, so that's what will, matters. So I will give you this, that it yeah. is it is a case in which... A little bit. It is a case in which that the actor overshadows the actual role that they are playing. So that you're not so much focused on the person that is being portrayed on the screen, but you're more enamored by the fact of the actor that is playing this role. So, like in this specific case, Bruce Campbell, he's in a blink and you miss it kind of moment. Then at that point, I think it's really more about the actor. I mean, you really don't pay attention to their character. Yeah, the so character it's a cameo appearance. It doesn't matter at that point. It's, yeah. it's about the actor. Yeah, see, it's a cameo. <laughs> so, thank you. This has been. Uh, a name director, uh, director Tyler Yoakum. You can find his films uh, on Pornhub <laughs> this- uh, on page six hundred and seventy-two. <laughs> so, so awesome! Thank you. All right, bye. bye. This is unfair. This is I, I'm right. I am I right. I think so. In my defense, I, I called. I called Dawson because because Dawson would have had a freaking answer, regardless yeah. if he would have liked it or not. <laughs> Tyler gives us the both. He's, he, he's, he's playing the political game here. I still uh, think but I'm he, right. I'm still, I'm, I, he, no, he sided with I, me. That's all that matters. He didn't know. No, no, no. This is two weeks in a row. Garrett chose my Tarantino film and Tyler chose my cameo. That's because Garrett... <laughs> uh, anyway, listen. Well, to be continued on the cameo. The Lady Killers, though, on paper should have been an absolute success. Um, yes. And for me, it was a little lacking... But I got a lot of enjoyment out of the Lady Killers. Yeah. Um, Tom Cruise. So the in, in a nutshell, here's what Letterboxd has as a description. The greatest criminal minds of all time have finally met their match. An eccentric, if not charming, Southern professor and his crew 
poses a band in order to rob a casino all under the nose of his unsuspecting landlord, a sharp old woman. Um, so yeah, so Tom Hanks is this suave, southerly dripping, oh, <laughs> professor who moves in under Marva Monson's house. She is a brig black southern gospel woman who yeah. loves church and has her morals. I feel like I'm nailing his accent it's, right it's, now. It's close. Um, uh, anyway, so Tom you Hanks... You call it a cameo. Yes. Uh, no, Tom Hanks just channeled in and cameoed on the podcast. No. Um, you know, that's how he talks. He's dripping. Everybody loves him, including, you know, the landlord and all of her, all of her friends. They just believe everything he says because he's so well-spoken, sophisticated, clearly, supposedly Harvard-educated. Uh, and, you know... Pretty knowledgeable. And his gang of misfits is Marlon Wayans, J.K. Simmons, uh, Tazima, and Ryan Hurst. Uh, you have Marlon Wayans, who works at the casino. He's playing kind of the, you know, inside very man. stereotypical, he's an inside man, but stereotypical, yeah. like, gangster yes. black guy. You know what I mean? That's Yes. It's a caricature. The quote-unquote quote thug. Yes, very, very much so. You know, holds the gun sideways, drops the N-bomb a ton, yeah. like, combat, like, a caricature of the times. Let's, yes. let's say it that way. Um, J.K. Simmons is the most is the most fleshed out character for me. I re- his name is, and this this was given all. His name is Garth Pancake. Um, <laughs> all of that is perfect. His yeah. role was incredible. The mustache, he's, pristine. He's a demolitions expert. From one mustache to another, I can appreciate a mustache. Yeah. Like, it's great. The fact that this guy's J.K. Simmons plays Garth Pancake, yeah. who is a demolitions <laughs> expert with IBS, and yeah. met his wife Mountain River at a IBS conference. Like, brilliant. Love that. Great character. Then you have Tzima, who plays the general. He's a uh, Asian former warlord, basically, with a Hitler stash, who is the yep. enforcer, basically, of the bunch. Uh, and then you have Ryan Hurst, who plays, like, a high school or young college... That's college, yeah. Yeah, college football star, but who's dumb as a bunch of bricks. He's just kind of like the the pats he, anything, he's had a few concussions in the past yes so if anything goes wrong he's kind of the fall guy but he's also kind of the enforcer for things in some ways too um they kind of use him to do all the labor yeah uh, they kind of he's really they're just using him uh, and then you have irma hall who plays marvel munson and she's the landlord that they live under so they're renting out uh tom tom hanks is renting out the, one of the top floors and then in the basement which is where they go to tunnel into the casino to make this big heist of a million dollars or whatever it was um they have to tunnel through it and they play classical music over a really loud stereo system. So it sounds like they're this, this group of misfits is always down there practicing and they're like classically trained. And, uh, anytime they hear a knock on the door, they have to sprint back out from what they're doing and act like they're sitting there, you know, playing music and stopping. Cause she comes down. Yeah. So that's the film in a nutshell. Um, and in Coen brothers fashion, of course, nothing goes as it seems. And it's just tragedy before tragedy before tragedy in the most abs- like absurd comedic ways. Um, and poetic in a lot of ways too. I had a ton of fun. Three and a half stars of this film. Honestly, it could be pushed up. I had a really good time with the lady killers. Uh, I thought it balanced the humor. Uh, when I say action, not like an action flick, but like the, the action he beats, I thought it did those well. I thought the performances across the board were all really good. Um, my, my only thing, I feel like the pacing got a little off. Sometimes I feel like we lingered in some sections. We probably could have, you know, maybe expedited a little bit. And I thought there were some character development. I would have liked to have seen a little bit more. Like I would have liked to have seen a lot more JK Simmons in this film. Yeah. I thought he carried him and Tom Hanks had the most unique aspects, um, in here. Uh, 
But as a whole, I don't really have a lot of complaints. I mean, it's a pretty simple, generic, safe kind of film, especially for being in 2004. I feel like there are a lot of films kind of like this back in those days. Um, it didn't reinvent the wheel, but anyway, but it's a fun little comedic heist. Yeah, I so I kind of fall in the same line as you of um, wasn't totally sold. I personally was not sold by this movie. Yeah, um, like beforehand or during. During, I was kind of taken aback. So the, how this how the movie opens mm-hmm. is uh, the Irma Hall character comes into a sheriff's office and basically is is telling on you know the the telling on. I was about to do a, a certain re- character uh, impersonation. Do not, and I decided please not to do, do that. not. I thought better. Um, yes, thank you for that. You saving me a lot of trouble. Um, <laughs> in the post post. Post pod uh, production of this. Like I could kill the impersonation yeah. though. Um, I'll keep it southern. But gentlemen. she's just talking about how this generation is going down, down to you know, going to hell and all this stuff. She drops a hard in, um, and from that moment, like it's five minutes in, I was like, oh, okay, all right, we're going there. Um, and uh, yeah, it, it's it's not it's not a it's not a tough hang based off those first five minutes, it's not as, as bad as I was expecting. Yeah. Um, but when you cast Marlon Wayans in, in a movie in this point in time, 2004, I feel like you kind of know, know the type of movie you're getting. Mm-hmm. You throw, you sprinkle in some Coen brothers like mm-hmm. style to it. I get how this gets the reception that it does, because yeah. again, you're getting a Coen brothers movie from the brothers themselves, from, from the brothers. <laughs> Dang, I can't say that. It, it, it's it's just a hard sell, especially in 2023. Um, Letterbox has it a 2.8. IMBD has it as a 6.2. I think. I think where I where I streamed it at, it had it at a 7.1 on oh, their on yeah, their yeah. users. That's so that's generous. Yeah. Um, it's still good though. Yeah. No, it's not bad. I mean, the production's good. The performances <laughs> are good. The script is good, if not a little simple. The script it's is ex- good. It's bare bones. Yeah. And, and th- yeah. that's that's one of my biggest complaints about yeah. it. Like it was predictable. Yes. But enjoyable. And uh, I can't so, say that about a lot of films. So I will say it I think part of the reason this kind of gets a hard knock is because it is a a um, a remake of yeah. a classic, a nineteen fifty five Lady Killers um comedy. You know, it's it's the same premise of these uh these thieves rent out um a place where they are trying to uh, steal from a nearby bank and you know antics ensue and you know it, it, mm-hmm. it kind of lays off uh, lays out accordingly um the issue for me in this this recreation it was like 20 minutes too long yeah um, i agree that's what's i think yes. some of it's the pacing that was like we biggest, lingered way too that long was on some the parts biggest issue for me tom hanks performance was great yep. if not unbearable at some points yeah. which but i think is the point yeah purposely yeah, yeah. Uh, the Marlon Wayans character, I think there are different instances where you can you can lean too hard into it. I thought it was perfectly like the tone was for the, perfect for the most part. I, I wish honestly, like I said, there were some other dynamics of that film. I think yeah. they should have explored better if you're going to have that runtime. Like anytime, the general, Marlon I would have loved to seen the general more. I would like to see more of him, and I would have liked to have seen a little bit more interaction. If we're talking about Marlon Wayans here, anytime that uh, Irma Hall or AK Miss Munson and uh marlon wayans characters interacted you know she thought yeah. he was this just degenerate punk who made black people look bad basically yeah where your manners they had fun on screen chemistry yes uh jk simmons and marlon wayans characters hated each other their, their chemistry. chemistry was great 
Um, like I said, there was, <laughs> when, like, there was, he was some, when he was explaining the Freedom Fighters. Wonderful. That was fantastic. Love that scene. Oh, it was it was great. Yeah. Um, the uh, some of the names in this film, like I got him. Hold on, Professor G H Door. G H Door. Uh, Gawain McSam. No, G H Door. Ph.D. Yes. Uh, Gawain McSam was uh Marlin's character. Darth Pancake. That that takes great. The, the general just Lump Hudson. Yes. Mountain Girl. Mountain Water. Well, no, Mountain Girl. <laughs> Mountain Water. Yeah, I said that's Mountain Water because of what that's what they kept calling her. G H Door. Yeah. Uh, Sheriff Weiner. 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 Deputy. <laughs> <laughs> But but uh, no, I think that's that's how you're supposed to. <laughs> Deputy Sheriff is one character's name. Uh, yeah, Weemac Funtus, <laughs> Ferdinand Goodge. Which again, you cast Stephen Root. Stephen Root is, I again, I could have used two or th- two, maybe three more scenes with Stephen Root in it. Absolutely <laughs> Donut amazing. gangster for Alden Hodge. Yeah, that's. I, I remember seeing uh, Hodge. In that scene, it was like this. That this is quite the origin story that I'm I'm witnessing because he's he's been in some stuff recently. Also, love that they put as Jeremy Suarez as when he played the young uh, uh, Mar- Marlon Wayans as Lil L I L Lil Gawain or Lil Gawain. <laughs> Gawain. Uh, there was one more on here. Oh, Blake Clark from the Waterboy being the football coach was fantastic. Loved that little nod. Oh yeah. So the I thought that was a fun little, fun little gesture. Yeah, but um, no, yeah, um, I, like I said, I do agree. It's a little too long. I feel like they could have, if they're gonna have it that length, I think there's some more character interactions. Like honestly, I would have loved a little flashback of J.K. Simmons and um, uh, Mountain Girl, a little bit of their IBS or something more. J.K. Simmons to me was the most interesting character. And outside of Tom Hanks, strongest performance. Uh, I would like to see a little bit more about his character and the general. Both of those. I would have loved to see instead of uh, some of the antics, like while they're trying to, yeah, um, do this heist. We would have gotten a little bit more backstory of how they find each other. Yeah, that would be a fun because it starts out when like we see we see. You get uh, like Garth. A, we see Garth Pancake at the at the commercial shoot. It's like a what a three minute montage for each character. For, for each character, and yeah. you get the idea. But how do these people know each other? Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, that was that was the only like real confusing part. I for forgot me. about the photo shoot. Oh, already. it was great. The, the dog, dog. The dog's got the, <laughs> the <mask> gas mask. <laughs> and they do a mouth to mouth. Yeah, that's great. I really enjoyed that. I forgot that's, about that's that. That's when we get our uh, Bruce Campbell yeah. character because I don't I don't want because he's the PETA guy character. basically. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, and then the general is the one where they're holding up the donut shop and he puts his fingers up out as Hodge's nose. Yep. Uh, yeah, that was fun. Um, you know, as, as a whole, the cast worked well together. They actually had good chemistry, I thought, for the most part. Um, yeah. like, it's just overly simple, a little too long. Now, I think those are my really only two complaints, like overly yeah. simple and too long. I, I I loved how it ended. I liked the how each one, the domino yeah. effect for each movie's old, so I don't care about spoilers. Like, you know, no one ends up getting the money. Every single character dies. Yeah. Um, one by one by one by one by one by one by one. And um, Tom Hanks is great. His death kind of like felt Edgar Allan Poe-ish in a lot of ways, um, which is fitting for his who his character was and portrayed yeah. himself as. Um, and then at the end, you know, Miss Mudson gets to keep the money and donate to charity, basically. Yeah. The the college, I can't remember what it was. Bob Roberts? Bob something like that yeah yeah um 
so you know it's like a almost like a Shakespearean kind of thing and how this whole thing plays yeah. out um and it, it works it works everything about this film works for me just overly simple and too long yeah um so where did this movie end up ranking for you bro hold on I ranked me. mine I can tell you hang yeah. on so I gave it three and a half stars and I have it as the big Lebowski from what we've seen, the big Lebowski, the man who wasn't there inside Lewin Davis, a serious man burn after reading spoiler alert, Fargo Miller's crossing Hudsucker proxy. Oh, I made a mistake. I need to take out these two that are in here. Anyway, oh, Hudsucker proxy, hell Caesar raising Arizona, the lady killers, tragedy of Macbeth and blood simple. Okay. So out of everything, so it's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. It's my eleventh, eleventh out of here. Which I have Miller's Crossing ranked in mine. You don't. So eleven out of yeah. thirteen. Yours would be if you did it on twelve. Um shoot. So I don't want to hit that movie yet though. Which one? Fargo? Fargo. Did you did you hear me though? What no, I had right I in front of everything. it, I have it behind, one behind Burn After Reading. That was my lowest rated film coming into this. Fargo? No, no, Burn After Reading. I yeah. had it at two stars coming into this. Yeah. And now it's my Fifth, one, two, three, six. four. Well, I have no, I still have No Country for Old Man, where I think yeah. it's going to be, but one, two, three, four, my fifth rated film. I told and you, I have dude, Fargo at number six. Burn After Reading is the Burn After Reading was great. Film. And I mean, look at Miller's Crossing. I have high up there too. Yeah. I think you're going to really like Miller's Crossing. I'm I'm excited for it. Um, so <laughs> Lady Killers, I had it three and a half, and just to without going into my list, I had Hudsucker Proxy is my least mm-hmm. of the ones that we've watched. Lady Killers is right above it. Okay, what's what's right above that? What are your bottom three? Uh, so my bottom three is Macbeth, Lady Killers, Proxy. I might move Macbeth behind Blood Simple. I hated that movie. That's understandable. As long as Blood Simple is better than Macbeth, I didn't like Blood Simple, but yeah. I see, you still need to watch the hot spot to have that conversation yeah, I know. about the simple. But anyway, yeah, no, Lady Killer, that's not a bad thing. Like the Coen Brothers films, although I will say this, we didn't, for, for the last few weeks, I've been saying, you know, one thing about the Coen Brothers as a part from our last director series with Terry Gilliam is they're not all the samesy. Yeah. I'm starting to get a lot of samesy vibes, especially from their non-comp comedic ventures. But now that we've done three weeks of comedic adventures in a row, they're very samesy. Yeah. Burn After Reading, Hell Caesar, Raising Arizona, Lady Killers. Very similar vibes to their comedic ventures too, um, which is okay because we're watching the same director week over week over week over week. Over totally. week. Um, but I keep thinking, and I said this about Gilliam too, going into the Coen Brothers, and now I'm saying it about the Coen Brothers going to whatever we're going to do next. I feel like people like Tarantino and Wes Anderson, like yeah, their films are aesthetically this similar, but they're yeah. very different in terms of film. And I felt that way about the Coen Brothers for a few weeks, but now that we're you know into our twelfth, thirteenth movies, it's like. I so I think there are different notes that they hit, but whenever you're comparing Gilliam to Coen Brothers, I th- I think there's a huge difference as far as range. Yeah. Um. Part of that might be that Gilliam had had. It, it's hard to explain, but with the age difference, there might be a little bit of difference. Mm-hmm. I think the Coen Brothers pull more from the actual storytelling side, whereas Gilliam is into an actual production mm-hmm. side of it. Yeah. Um, 
because let's be honest, the Coen brothers write amazing scripts. Yep. Um, they tell, and the, Gilliam is a lot more fantastical. Than yeah. Totally different kind of genre. Yeah. But, but I, but I think the Coen brothers like favor that mm-hmm. whenever, when you look at a serious man, whenever you think about the complexity of a Lewin Davis, um, even a raising Arizona at its core kind of has some elements of, of fantasy to it. Mm-hmm. These things are, are true to, to them as, as, as writers and as directors, but overall it comes to casting. It comes like it, it's the whole package of it all for yeah. them that, that, that makes them who they are. Whereas Gilliam is more two dimensional in some aspects to me. Yeah. He's at, he's still amazing. He's still mm-hmm. in, innovative, but overall the Coen brothers continue to evolve in a lot of ways. So now, would you consider this a bad film in their filmography? Lady Killers? Yeah. As far as the descriptors. Three and a half stars isn't a bad The rating. descriptor that I just gave, Lady Killers, is, was a disappointment. Um, See, it's they, funny they though, because on the, on the scale, like you have Hudsuckers, your last, I have it rated above Hell Caesar, Raising Arizona, yeah. Lady Killers, Macbeth, and Blood Simple. Like I really liked Hudsucker Proxy. Yeah. Um, Hudsucker Proxy just in, in a lot of ways was I would say I'm splitting hairs when it comes to Lady Killers and, and Hudsucker. Well, that's how I'm with a lot of these films. Outside yeah. of the Big Lebowski yeah, yeah. All, and all these, I'm gonna be splitting hairs. And I have no country for old man just based on memory. I yeah. think those two are by far and away gonna be like the standouts of their filmography. Um yep. and I for a first time watch, I adored the man who wasn't there. <laughs> yeah. I loved that movie. But even then it's not on the same level as the Big Lebowski or uh, you know, No Country for Old Man. But like for me, outside of those two top two movies, I mean, we'll see how I feel about True Grid, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou, uh, Intolerable Cruelty, Barton Fink. I, I would love, I would love to revisit the Lady Killers once we've watched True Grit, because again, that's that's another example of of a remake of a classic. Mm-hmm. And um, I've seen, have you seen? I've seen True Grit. I've not seen. Okay. I've not seen it. I saw this but, in theaters and once since. But again, I think. Um, and I've seen the original True Grit with John Wayne. Yeah, I think Lady Killers, though, is a genre style that they enjoy, mm-hmm. but they tried to adapt it in a way that was overall kind of out of their element, whereas True Grit probably feels more, um, it's it's a style that they're familiar with, but it's also in a in a genre, or it, it, it's a story that they're more comfortable with. So tell it's me. more in their pocket. To wrap up Lady Killers here. Yeah. <laughs> who worked and who didn't work in the Coen's universe for you? Because Tom, there's a re- Tom, Tom Hanks is a one-off. He's Tom, not anything else. Well, I say Tom Hanks was Tom Hanks was a good performance, but I do not think that the Coen brothers got the most out of or that. And looking at Tom Hanks' filmography, either I don't know what he. I don't think he's a good fit with the Coen brothers. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Um, I don't think Marlon Wayans honestly was the greatest fit for the Coen brothers. Yes, I agree. Um, J.K. Simmons, yes. J.K. Simmons was was perfect. definitely perfect fit, and I think that um I know it's a very niche character, but I thought Ryan Hurst was a good fit here yeah. as Lump, and knowing what he has done since, yeah, I think he would have been a good fit for Second, the Coen a Bro- secondary character. Yes, yeah. as he grew I think into an actor. Coen Brothers, uh, like they have those stars, and then those secondary characters that overall kind of keep you interested. Mm-hmm. I think um, he would have been Ryan Hurst. Yeah. Ryan Hurst and J.K. Simmons for me. Now, granted, you don't get enough of uh, Tazima or whatever uh, for the general to really know. I, the only thing that I'll fall, 
fault the Coen brothers sometimes is they they play into the caricatures mm-hmm. of of some of these um, <laughs> definitely some almost these to a, not racist it, way but uh it's too stereotypical yeah now, granted that's also the point yes but you couldn't they're but, being on the nose on a lot of these um a lot of these ideologies that we we kind of have in 2004 though a lot of these things were funny. acceptable yeah funny and acceptable yeah um you could argue if they're still funny now. I, there well, are moments where I like they're, they're still they're still funny. Not, they're, it's not novel it's anymore. Not, that, yes, that's the problem. Exactly. Um, it doesn't. It, it didn't detract or boost my rating at all. Like it doesn't matter to me. Yeah. But like, it's just tried and true. It's a novelty at this point. It's not a. Yeah. I rated this again. I rated this a three and a half. Same. And I think that is. I think that is true. Yep. I agree. I'm um, with you. With rare. So. We don't always rarely agree on exact rating. Yeah. Three and a half. That's I'm surprised. Um, I, yeah. Now this too. next one though. Uh, I'm gonna have some issues, man. No, I've well, let's talk Fargo. Let's talk. We're up to it now. Let's talk Fargo. Yeah. Uh, hang on. I, I, I just want, saw something that was rated above, and I'm just I'm I'm hang on I'm, hang on. I'm I need to go see what you rated it. I don't want you to tell me. I want to see. I mean, what do you Four think? And a half what star. do you think I rated it? Four stars isn't bad rating. Yeah, but what you rated it above? What do you mean above? You mean below? Or oh yes, below. It's below the Big Lebowski, which the Big Lebowski is my top five movies I, of all time. I have it rated below Big Lebowski. I have it rated below No Country for Old Men, which based we on memory. Which reviewed yet, but I understand. I have it rated against man, The Man Who Wasn't There, which is a Jonathan-ass film. Okay? Don't understand that. Inside Lewin Davis. Don't understand that. A Serious Man. And Burn After Reading. I have it rated across all those. I've seen Fargo one other time in my life. And I was in high school, and I was yeah. high. So this is basically fresh eyes watching Fargo. <sighs> for a brand new eyes... This movie does not hold up the same way, especially when the series are out there. Yeah, I haven't seen. I have not seen the series. I've seen the first three seasons of Fargo, and they're who all. Is, who's involved in the series? No clue. Billy right. Bob Thornton in season one, and Ewan McGregor in season two. Phenomenal. None of that hits the like. This movie doesn't touch those, and this is the source material. So I am a victim here of basically watching it for the first time in 2023. After watching what I would consider a much grittier, darker, but still with a tinge of humor series based on this. Yeah. So I'm my own worst enemy here. So with that in mind, a four star movie, that's a really good rating for me. That's like an eight out of 10. I really enjoyed Fargo. And specifically, I really enjoyed William H. Macy and Steve Buscemi. They were both phenomenal here yeah love their performances the highlight of the movie had a great time francis mcdormand was good oh hey howdy hey I, you know they had a they sound like they're from Saskatoon, you know the whole time <laughs> talking like they're yeah. from canada yeah. you know there's a whole movie um see now how's that not offensive and i can talk like a southern gentleman and i'd be okay too but if i do certain other characters so we get watched, into some trouble i watched fargo with uh we have, we have not explained what Fargo was. We did a good job of explaining what Lady Killer no, was. No, no, we're going to figure we're going to get into that. I just figured okay. we were just vamping I, about the beginning because you wanted to talk hot takes. Yes. So Fargo is a classic by yeah. all accounts of the word. Yeah. It's got a 4.2 on Letterboxd and it is a revered, not even a cult classic. Like Fargo is like a staple classic film. Yeah. Came out in 19, eight, uh, 1996, uh, directed by Joel Cohen. Uh, it's got a lengthy description, but I'm going to just read it here. Uh, all caps. A lot can happen in the middle of nowhere. Jerry, a small town Minnesota car salesman, is bursting at the seams with debt, but he's got a plan. He's going to hire two thugs to kidnap his wife in a scheme to collect a hefty ransom from his wealthy father-in-law. It's going to be a snap and nobody's going to get hurt. 
until people start dying. Enter Police Chief Marsh, a coffee-drinking park aware, an extremely pregnant investigator who will stop at nothing to get her man. And if you think her small-time investigative stills will give the crooks a run for their ransom, you betcha. Uh, first of all, it says in this thing, an extremely pregnant. She does not look extremely pregnant the whole film. Yes, she does. No, she does not. She talks about it. It's a you're it's obvious that she's pregnant based on conversation, but not one if they would have never mentioned that she's pregnant, I would have never thought she's pregnant. Go to that first scene whenever she's leaving from breakfast. She's swole. She's absolutely swollen. I missed that. And then she's wearing a jacket and park like the entire time. I guess it's too expensive to do the Pregnancy you're prosthetics. Absolutely crazy. You, you pay no attention. I can tell you're obviously watching your child in the, in the middle no, she of this was movie. I watched. I said to my undivided attention. Undivided. I'm sure. I liked this movie. I didn't pull out my phone once for her to respond to a couple text messages. I enjoyed Fargo. I can't even do that. I'll be honest. Uh, <laughs> what? The point being, she was pregnant. She was very pregnant. Yeah. So this film, in a nutshell, yeah. it sums it up. William H Macy is your really your lead here. Yes. Honestly, which how did he come into these money problems? Did he have a, a gambling problem? We don't know. We don't know. Which is frustrating, which, but not a big deal. But it but it it is left to be said in the beginning of this movie. They start out with one of those like title scenes, which it's not based on a true story. If they they that. lead you to believe yeah. that this is based off a true story. Though. Yeah, which is not. I googled it. Yeah. I was like, I don't think so. And it's not. So. <laughs> Um, but we've heard this type of story though. Yeah, for sure. Before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This, um, these types of stories happen. The reason this movie is so good is because yeah. of the performances that are in it. The script is fine. Like, it's good. It's yeah. good. But the performance is elevated. Like William H. Macy's phenomenal here and the fact that the Coen brothers don't revisit that well is mind-boggling. Yeah. Because he, him and Francis McDormand together and Steve Buscemi, that's a triangle right there that should have been exploited. That was a great threesome. Of, well, <laughs> That's not, never mind. You know what I mean? Yeah. But what was it? The Galactic Threesomes? I don't, Star I don't remember. Or something like that. Your notes you sent me. <laughs> it's like I Palpatine and the Galactic Threesome. Anyway, you should go, y'all should go revisit our Star Wars interview. Um, yeah, no, the performances are really good and was a huge selling point for me in this film. And I loved William H. Macy. I love Frances McDormand in this film. This is my favorite Frances McDormand performance so far. Um, she's shockingly on screen less than I thought she would be. Um, for being like the poster child of this movie. I feel like she's like the, the third tier character. That here. was honestly the most disappointing thing for me on a rewatch is that it took 45 minutes before her to even show up on yeah, my screen. This is definitely a, this is a William H. Macy, Steve Buscemi. It's film. a slow burn. Yeah. And Francis McDormand is the like main lead support in my opinion. But, um, yeah, this is another one of those films where, you know, William H. Macy needs money. He comes up with an elaborate, uh, this elaborate scheme to get it done. He hires Steve Buscemi and Peter Stormar, uh, who ends up being this unhinged psychopath that no one really knows about. Um, and they go to kidnap his wife. And of course, in Coen Brothers fashion, everything totally falls apart in a way very much akin to how um, we talked about the lady killers. Everybody dies. That was a part of this heist. Yeah. Um, not everybody dies necessarily in this film. Um but most of them do. Uh, and it worked. This movie really worked. And like, I, I'm just considering myself watching this for the first time, even though I've seen the show. Yeah. You know, I still was surprised by a few things. I still found myself very much enjoyed or enjoying yeah. the premise and the concept of the film. And four stars is good. The runtime on it's perfect for what this film is. Yeah. Lady Killers would have done better to run by this 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 runtime. And Fargo would have been better maybe to stretch a little bit more and develop some of these characters. Like I would like to actually see some more Francis McDormand's character. Dude, uh, I want I want what uh 
Marion and uh, Norm have. I want that kind of love because mm-hmm. that was. I kept waiting for him to do something bad. No, because every time I've any movie I've ever seen That's... him in, what's his name? Norm. No, no, no. Oh, John okay. Carroll Lynch. Anything ever? He's always some psychopath. Every I've never, I don't think this thing. This is the first... already some kind of goofball. Very rarely. Yeah. Shutter Island, crazy. Zodiac, crazy. Yes. The Invitation, crazy. Gran Torino, bad. Face Off, bad. <laughs> Gothica, crazy. And then he's an American Horror Story, clown, nutso. He's John yeah. Wayne Gacy and the John Wayne Gacy stuff. Uh, he's he's just not a very... Yeah. I, I was just waiting for him to be like the Fargo killer. Or something. I don't know. <laughs> I, when, I When I saw that that was who I was better with, I was like, ah, oh, shoot, shit's about to get real. I, watched, I watched this with Caitlin and uh, Caitlin and, and my friend Sam, and it was uh, it was interesting to see their reactions. Um, whenever it comes to the end and, you know, she ends up... Was it their first watch through of this? Uh, the f- Yes, I think... So. No, no, because... Oh, there's not there's a story behind this. Listen, my wife is... is Famous, famously known for s- totally spoiling in uh, Infinity Wars. Yeah, I remember you telling me the story. Freaking A, man. She just, she does not care about spoilers. She wants to spoil stuff because she's just that type of person. Oh, no. And so we get 30 minutes into it. She sees, she sees Bashimi's character and she's like, wait, doesn't he end up in a wood chipper? <laughs> and I just look at her. I'm like, I would have been pissed because I didn't know that, you know? I thought he was dead when he got shot in the face. Exactly. And he wasn't. It was great. That, great character so development. So on a first watch, the wood chipper scene, that's absolutely like... Psychonic. Jaw-dropping. Sure, yeah. yeah. Um, but at the end of it, um, after uh, Marge has, has, you know, made the arrest, she's on the news, she comes home, Norm looks her, they're, they're in bed together. Mm-hmm. All cuddled up and everything. Norm's he, does, he does artwork for stamps. He he does he does artwork. He he paints uh waterfowls, ducks, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh he says he says, uh, I heard back from him. He's like, they picked me. And she goes, and she's just super supportive. Oh, like, that's great, honey. That's great. Um, he's like, Yeah, it's just a three three cent stamp. It's like, well, they need the three cents. They need they need them. Like she's just so supportive. Yeah. And uh while the, while she's, you know, obviously the breadwinner, she's obviously the one out there doing. I looked at Caitlin and I was like, I want this kind of love. I want this is us. Yeah. I'm just over here doing my 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 little little graphics, mm-hmm. little little Photoshop stuff. And Caitlin's out there, you know, telling major, you know, million dollar companies how to spend their yeah. money. My, my wife's I have no shame. My wife's a breadwinner. Yeah. She she she's amazing. Yeah. Um and I'm just, you know, living the dream. You're you need to start painting living that normal house. life, yeah. Start selling stamps, baby. I this movie resonated with me. <laughs> <laughs> to say the least. <laughs> That's why it's got a half star bump. <laughs> yeah. Over mine. Uh but no, the reason it gets a half star bump is because these these character portrayals are convincing. Um, I agree. like you said, the Steve Pashimi character is awesome. One of my favorite Pashimi outside of Boardwalk Empire. Yeah, it's probably one of my favorite Bushimi characters. Yeah, it, um, it's, loved it. It's great. Um, I think this is the first. Is this the first? Walter would have been proud of this, Donnie. Outside of uh, that was a great big yeah, Lebowski outside joke. Lebowski. Outside yeah. of Lebowski, is this the first Bushimi character that like or uh, no? What was uh? I think we saw him in another one. No, but like a predominant role. Oh yeah, like he I got think... his he got his real shot in a Coen Brothers movie. Yeah. Um. Because I think it was I don't want to. <laughs> I voice texted Buscemi. It says Steve, who is Kimmy? <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I but 
my point being, uh, they let the man cook and he uh, delivered a, he, he delivered a, he delivered to say the least. So who's your favorite performance then? Um, probably the Hudsucker proxy. I knew there was something we'd seen him in. He's in uh, Miller's Crossing, which yes, he has a he has a semi predominant role in that film. Uh, I knew well, I seen Hudsucker so proxy. Uh, hang on, he's in Miller's Crossing. He's a bartender in a hard he's in Barton Fink. We haven't seen yet yet. He's but is in, that is that before Coen Brothers? I yes, don't think that's it is. Coen Brothers. But is it before Fargo? Is what I'm yes, nineteen ninety one. Okay. He's in Miller's Crossing. Has a semi-predominant role in that. He's in it a lot, and that's nineteen ninety. Yeah, but he's not like a. He's not a. It's not the type of role. It can't be the type of role that he's in in Fargo. Regardless, he's in one, two, three, four, five, six, seven Coen Brothers films. Yes. So. Meaning. He's sixty. Steve Buscemi is the type of actor that the Coen Brothers are drawn to. Yes. The same with Francis McDormick. Um. I mean, the same with, I mean, who else has been in here that we've seen before? Oh, and this, this one I'll tell you, well, John Goodman's in a lot of his stuff, just not this one. Yeah, Francis McDormand, Steve Buscemi, uh, Peter Stromar. He's been in, uh, he's in The Big Lebowski. He's in this. Uh, what, what was the part in this movie? I'm, we're going to go off subject because this mm-hmm. came to my mind. I'll forget it if I don't say it. What was the part of the movie that made you laugh out loud the most? If you if you laughed out loud at all, because I got mine. I don't know if there was a laugh out loud moment for me. What was yours? It was it was the uh, Mike Yenaget Yenagetta whatever part where the dude calls her in the middle of the night. Oh okay yeah, and then yeah. she meets up with him whenever she's trying to track this lead. The Asian guy. Yes. Yeah yeah yeah. He, he, when he goes to sit on the same side as her. Yes. That made you laugh out loud? That whole scene was hilarious. Oh. Because he basically goes in, tries to make a move, and says, you he know. He thinks it's like a Tinder hookup. Oh, yeah. This yeah. was, yeah, pre-Tinder, like, hookup style. It was yeah. total cringe. And he he basically lays on the, the sympathy train like of, my, my, wife, my wife died of cancer. And yeah. then she finds out later on he doesn't even have a wife. Yeah. It was yeah. great. I didn't laugh at that. It was hilarious. Oh. oh. Well, no, I didn't laugh. Disappointing. Um, If anything, I laughed at a few at Francis McDormand's accent things and some of the things she said. I thought were kind of humorous, and I also enjoyed the road trip scene when Steve Buscemi's trying to make conversation with Steve uh, Peter Stormare's character, and he's like, "You know what? See how you like it. I'm gonna sit in silence. See how you like it." That was very relatable. Yeah, I like. I'm definitely the one sitting in silence. (laughs) Uh, I am depends on who I am with. Yeah, I can't stand riding with the people that I'm like sitting there going, "Yep, mm mm-hmm, yeah." Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. The whole time. Anyway, no. Uh, first time eyes with Fargo. I enjoyed it. I, d- I don't. And this is a problem. I'm watching a 1996 movie for the really the first time in 2023. Yeah. Um, and I've seen the TV show. I I found it lacking in some regards. Uh, but I think that's just a me thing because I've watched it too late in life. Uh, but William H. Macy, I thought was phenomenal. I thought Francis McDormand was really would. I thought Steve Muschini were really well. Like I said, those are the the holy trinity of this film, if you will. Uh, the core of the film, they all did spectacular jobs in their role. The plot of the film, I thought it was going to be much more just based on reputation than based off of the shows. I thought this was going to be much more a, we're trying to figure out who's done this. And obviously that's not the point of the film. Again, this is, this is a good example, I think, of why Lady Killers does not perform as well 
because it is in premise Fargo. Yeah. It is a hit gone wrong where the overall loot of it all just mm. goes unclaimed yeah. or un- unused because, you know. And I'm also going into like the backwards of yeah, what, like we're coming in on the second iteration of Lady Killers, right? Yeah. If I went back and watched the first Lady Killers now, I'd probably be like, ah, oh, that's hitting my Lady Killers. Well, I'm now going in the opposite direction with this Fargo. Well, kind of the same thing. I watched the series of Fargo first. Yeah. I go back and watch this. They're totally different things. They're just set in Fargo. You know, I thought this was going to be more of a whodunit. And obviously, it's not. You know, it's a behind the scenes of the whodunit and the chaos that takes takes place. Yeah. Um, which I did really enjoy one part. Did you ever watch The Family Man this last year with Nicolas Cage? I don't think you did. Did you? No, I didn't. Okay. I, I think I'd started it and then I didn't. The I dad first, yeah. um, who plays Big Jim yeah. in this movie reminded me a lot of the stepdad of William H. Macy. Almost like the exact same character. So I, maybe actually the same person. Maybe. I gotta look. I think it may be the same person. Hang on. I mean, the timing, the timing of those movies. He, the the character, um, which is he Stan Grossman? What was his name? I'm looking it up. Wade. He is. It is the dad and family man. Yeah. I knew it. I, I was watching like, man, this guy gives me super. He's in in uh, Face Big Off Ed. as well. Sure, or not Big Jim? Big Ed. I, what a pull! The whole time I was watching, I was like, man, this dude looks just like Big Ed. He brings the same energy four to years every apart. single movie he's yeah. in. Four years apart there. Um, but no, Fargo. End of the day, really enjoyed it. If you haven't seen it, I definitely say this is a recommend watching. However, if you've never seen it, I say temper your expectations because it is anybody who knows film at all knows Fargo is like a Mount Rush, not Mount Rushmore, yeah. but kind of like a first one out of Mount Rushmore modern films. Um, I definitely did not get that from it. Um, but that's partially just because of what I, I've seen the TV series first. Are you making that face about what I said? About not being like a Mount Rushmore <laughs> film? Did you know Bruce Campbell? Made a quote unquote cameo in this. No, missed that. He did. He was a soap opera actor on TV. Oh, no, definitely missed that. Uh, I mean, that's surprising. I mean, he just, he made the, made the list. Um, Fargo to me though, it is like you said, a Mount Rushmore. Um, I think it holds up for style and aesthetic alone. Like this movie mm-hmm. has the following. It does oh, it holds for a 96 because film of, because of the yeah. aesthetic. Because we're going on 30 years almost of it. So yeah. Um, yeah, it's absolutely crazy. I'm just looking at some, some letterbox people that I'm, I'm friends with. Yeah. It, it's no one's not giving this less than no one's giving this less than four stars. Yeah. And four I, I, to me, I feel like four is a fair rating. Um, it's, yeah, if you want to do a recency bias type of of viewpoint on it, of like, does this hold up? I can see it not holding up, but well, it's again, not even that it didn't hold up. I just, to me, it was a little watching it for the first time now. Yeah, and having watched the Fargo series be my only launching point, really. This just see, you keep saying the Fargo series. I don't understand how far, uh, this a series of this story, like how. Like the correlation, unless yeah, it's just on. happening in the same town, because I think 
there's a world in which you could expound on this story. You give more backstory on, on the Marge character, or you, you go into why, uh, William H. Macy's character is, is in debt. Um, like a series on that. I can see how that could the work. The are executive producers of the show. That's encouraging. Um, it's a black comedy crime drama created by Noah Hawley. It's inspired by the 1996 film uh, and it's directed at that. Well, that was directed by the Coen brothers and takes place within the same universe. Yeah. Um, it's an anthology each season, different era, same location. You know, like a, it's like an American horror story. Yes. Um, and heavily and incredibly influenced by multiple Coen Brothers film, which that's true. I, now that watching these, each season takes place basically in a different Coen Brother film universe. See, okay, I appreciate. I could appreciate that because again, the Coen Brothers, I think, have a, a Rolodex of of style and yeah, intrigue. Season one: and all Billy Bob Thornton, Allison Tallman, Colin Hanks, Martin Freeman. Your stars. Yeah. Season two: Kirsten Dunst, Patrick Wilman, uh, Wilson, Jesse Plemons, Gene Smart, Ted which, Danson. Which. Kristen Dunst and Plemons like met are together yeah. because of that yep. series that series. Season, season three, Ewan McGregor plays the two leads, which was great. <laughs> Carrie Coon, Mary the two, the two leads? Yeah. All right. I'm gonna have to watch the show yeah. now. Uh Carrie Coon, Mary Elizabeth Winstead, Gordon uh Bogdan, David mm-hmm. Thewilson, season four, which is about to premiere. Yeah. Chris, Chris Rock, Rock, Jesse Buckley, uh Jason Schwartzman, Ben Wishaw, Jack Huston, and Salvatore Esposito. Is this an FX series? Yes. Okay. Um so that explains a lot. All right, I'm, I'm gonna watch. I'll watch Fargo. The first one's you've convinced me. First season's phenomenal <laughs> with Billy Bob Thornton. Yeah. First season's so good. And when you watch that and watch it in the context, that's my introduction to Fargo. It makes this film feel a little lacking, especially but, when you see the Coen Brothers but, as executive producers tagged on there. But you go into like, it though, understanding that 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 show is what it is because of everything that that movie brought to it. I get it. It's hard to separate that when that's all I've seen. I've seen three seasons of Fargo with well, the with the sign off of the Coen brothers. Yeah. And they're way better <laughs> than this. Um mostly. Season two is my least favorite of the three, but it's still they're full all three still good. But no, this movie's really good. I enjoyed it. The performances are great. The direction was great. I understand the hype around it now and it is a you know I've I'm a Fargo believer. I like it. Four stars is a great rating yeah. for me. Four stars is really good. It should be in your top five, though. Of all time? No, of your Coen Brothers no. movies. I can't remember now. Where did I have it? One, two, three, Fargo four, is better five, than six. Lewin. Fargo is better than Lewin Davis. It's not. It's not. It's just not. Okay. It's not. Oh, <sighs> You think it's better than... You, you don't that, even like the man I who think, wasn't there. I think there are some principal elements to this that we're about to talk about that make Fargo better than Lewis Davis. Because there's no muses in Lewis Davis? Yes. Key John Goodman. Key roles. John Goodman. Key roles. Has a lot of screen time. That is like an act of a whole movie. That is a supportive role. Bruce Campbell. <laughs> he had to have played a minor character. I don't even remember. How about Bruce this Campbell. one though? Joel and Ethan Cohen. Okay. This is not the point. <laughs> this is not the point that we're making. It doesn't matter. Inside Lewin Davis is a freaking banger. And it's got a 4.0. It's a four. That's a high rating. I listen. I I admit. We will just disagree on this. And I would say that it's time to move on. 
to the Coen Brothers muses and the importance of a muse or lack the of importance of a muse. Yes. So when I think of a muse, I think of, like we mentioned Terry Gilliam earlier in the podcast, frequent collaborators that to me heighten and bring the best out of a director. Um, and vice versa, that know how to direct certain actors and stuff like that. You know, you think of Terry Gilliam, you think of Robin Williams, you think of Heath Ledger, um, you think of um, Uma Thurman, you think of, uh, that was a big one I'm missing right now. For Tarantino? No, Gilliam, who we just did. <laughs> My gosh. He's in a like, terrible name, I'm sorry. Uh, Jeff Bridges, he's in four of his yeah. films. I can't ever think about it. Um, he's, and all those movies that they were in were better because of it. Yeah. Um, and now you think of people like, um, we just saw it, the the Cronenberg, da- uh, Big Daddy Cronenberg, David Cronenberg, Viggo Morenstein. Yes, Viggo, frequent for collabor- sure. Uh, is a frequent collaborator. You think of now Brandon Cronenberg, uh, who is now frequently collaborating with Mia Goth, two of his films, and Alexander Skarsgård. Yeah. Um, those are great muses for them, two of two for those. Yeah. Very much a fan. Uh, and now we look at the Coen brothers, you think of muses for them, you think of... You think of... John Goodman, yeah, Steve Buscemi, Francis McDormand, and uh, uh, John Turturro. Those mm-hmm. are the four that are in the majority of their films. Uh, Francis McDormand being the poster child, then probably John Goodman, yes, second second definitely. in line there. Um, anything I, I don't know about Tarantino. Uh, Tarantino is 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 probably. I feel like he does a lot. I mean, you want to go kill Bill, you can say Uma Thurman, but that's probably not the case. That's because that's a franchise, really. Um, I don't really think he has a lot. Of, I mean, sure, Django has Leo, and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood has mm-hmm. Leo. That's it. I, I think that the key, the defining factor is they've been a supporting role in many films, but they have also starred in a film. Yeah. Um. I mean, Scorsese is like, is Leo. I think now um, either that, I mean, those, those directors have been around forever. You know, obviously you're, um, you know, you're De Niro's for, for a long period. Now he, mm-hmm. it's kind of been passed on to DiCaprio for Scorsese. Um, Christopher Nolan, you know, it, it's, it's, um, I mean, well, I, I, I was looking at the list. Christian Bale, to spark memory here, just t- typing in top directors yeah. and their top movies. Still, Steven Spielberg, who would you say his muse is off the top of your head? Tom Cruise? Tom Hanks. Hanks, okay. Saving Private Ryan, Catch Me yeah. If You Can, The Terminal, Bridge of Spies, The Post. Yeah, no, that um, makes sense. Martin Cause, Scorsese cause Cruise, and Leo, cause, cause that's Tom the Hanks, first. Because Tom Hanks has like a whimsical, like, yep. yeah, I, I get that vibe. And obviously the most Notable one is who we just mentioned, Scorsese and Leo. You have yep. Gangs of New York, The Aviator, The Departed, Shutter Island, Wolf of Wall Street, Killers of the Flower Moon. Yeah. And he also wants Leo to be attached to his next project. He's already yep. made that clear. So let's stop there. I think that's a phenomenal, that's like a poster <laughs> child one to start yeah. with. So when you think of Gangs of New York, now granted you have... Uh, I have not seen Gangs of New York. Oh, Daniel Day-Lewis is phenomenal yeah. as the lead. I'll take your word for it until I see it. Uh, we should do Scorsese next. That's why I, I, All right. great. Um, I mean Killers will probably be coming out this summer. Yeah. Right. When is be it? close. Be close. Yeah. Because we only have like what two, three weeks max left yep. the Coen Brothers. Um, but Gangs in New York. So let's skip that one. Have you seen The Aviator? Uh no. Let's skip that one. Have you seen The Departed? <laughs> yes. Have of you course. seen Shutter Island? Yeah. You seen Wolf of Wall Street? Yeah. Okay. That wasn't a prominent, yeah. 
I mean, I've seen parts of it. I'll be honest. Okay. I have not seen all oh of it. Oh my gosh. Uh, um, uh, TV. I've seen it on TV. Oh, that's not, yeah. It's definitely yeah, not it's still, you know, a lot of it's been cut out. So, okay. So let's talk about the Departed and Shutter Island. Yeah. Let's just talk about those two. Can you imagine anybody with Leo playing those? No. No. Um, and the, that, the Shutter that, Island, the Shutter Island, maybe. Well, because, fun fact, side tangent here, I'm pretty sure I've mentioned this previously when anytime I've ever talked about Paul Walker. Shutter Island, I know it's based off a book mm-hmm. or something, correct? I'm asking. I don't know. I'm pretty sure Shutter Island has some sort of source material. I'm like 90% sure. But there's this movie called The Lazarus Project, not the Olivia Wilde one. Yeah. Um, Came out in the early 2000s with Paul Walker. And it is Shutter Island. 1000% Shutter Island. Um, So Shutter Island isn't a remake of something. I don't know if they definitely then like totally just copyrighted The Lazarus Project. Anytime you type in Shutter Island, it just wants to pull up the ending. Yes. Um, But anyway, yeah, maybe Shutter Island, but Leo was great in it. Yeah. Like The Departed, I can't picture anybody else. I know you haven't seen All of Wall Street. I can't picture anybody else. The Aviator, I can't picture anybody else. Like Scorsese and Leo, that's a great combination of a director and an actor who just... yeah. You pair those together, you know what you're going to get. The yeah. rest of the cast could be all, could be terrible. It doesn't matter because that director knows how to direct that actor. That actor knows how to respond to said director. And I think it's important for film industry as a whole, but specifically directors and actors to have their muses, yeah. people they know they can work well together with. Um, and I, I think that's a betterment for the filmography of directors and and the actors. Yeah. So the way I the way I view it, um, and Tarantino can- does have a muse, by the way. Who's that? Samuel L. Jackson. I was gonna thought you were gonna say feet. No, he's in Pulp Fiction, Jackie Brown, Kill Bill Two, <laughs> and Glorious Bastards, Django, and The Hateful Eight. Yeah. So. Okay. Never mind. What? Like um. What was I saying? The the muse, the muse factor, and, and the difference that you see between a great actor being a director's muse, and then just a a great actor being in a director's movie is is a good actor can pull anything out of a script. Tom Hanks in Lady Killers that we just talked about. Mm -hmm. He has a great performance, but does it pull the most out of the story? I don't think so. There are moments where, again, we had said it kind of felt on the nose, um, overplayed in different points. Um, An actor who is a director's muse you don't have that feeling. They fit right in because mm-hmm. again, they they pull everything out. The way the reason I think Fargo works for a Francis McDormand, a William H. Macy character isn't predominantly known for Coen Brother movies. Mm-hmm. There were different moments I was watching this with Caitlin. She was like when she was listening to his performance and watching it, she was kind of kind of like turned off to it. She was like, Do I hate Midwesterners? <laughs> She's like, I think I do. Just by based by the way she talks. And then Francis McDormand shows up. Yeah. She's like, wait, do I like Midwesterners? <laughs> she's like, I like it whenever she's on screen. And it's because I think they they know it's kind of like their conduit mm-hmm. to what these directors are trying to bring to the screen. Mm-hmm. And um, they don't pigeonhole themselves to one. I think it, every director should have at least a stable of two to three. Yeah. Like I think of Scorsese off the top of my head. You know, you think of Leo, he's the one listed, but. De Niro, I guarantee you, has been just as many Scorsese was, films as De Niro Leo. was kind of like the 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 predecessor, not the yeah, no predecessor, predecessor yeah, yes, because yeah. t- go back to the Mean Streets and Taxi Driver yeah. and all that kind of stuff. You know, those are those are obviously predate Leo. 
um, and they still collaborate together and yeah. to collaborate the three of them together. Yes. Most recently, or coming up, Killers of the Flower Moon. And like another one I was looking at, you know, think about Wes, Wes Anderson. Who do you think of? Oh, Jason Schwartz. Or, uh, well, even before then, who's been in more? Who's been in like every film of theirs? You got two. Owen, uh, Wilson, Owen Wilson. And Bill Ooh. Murray. Yeah. When I think of Bill Murray, yeah. I think of Wes Anderson. Well, Bill Murray's been in uh, almost every single some capacity Wes but Anderson. But not in a... Not in a some, it yes. is it is that like supportive role. It, it, yeah, but that's the thing. It, that doesn't have to be the lead. There's some people who they're just the type of character them. that fit just naturally, just plug and pl- in, in sports. They use the term plug and play. Like mm-hmm. you just you just throw them in there. They work, and there's no there's no you know fall off as yeah. far as the the skill and expectation. Bill Murray brings that every time. Um, no, for a Wes Anderson, I I, th- I thought of a Jason Schwartz. Like he. It was kind of a little bit later, which the first one he was Rushmore. That's one of his earlier yeah, ones. Yeah, but yeah. he kind of you don't see him in a while. That's yeah. whenever Owen Wilson kind of shows up in mm-hmm. Bottle Rocket, um, the Darling Unlimited. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Which that's my favorite Wes Anderson film. I that's up there for me. Um, that and the Life Aquatic. Uh, I haven't seen Life Aquatic. Love Life Aquatic. Moonrise Kingdom though is on my list as Grand well. Budapest those are the Hotel. only two I've not I seen yet. Love love those. They're all great. I can't wait to review Wes Anderson. No, no. We should do Scorsese then Wes Anderson. That's gonna be a long week, or longer. Yeah, that'll be a while. Yeah, <laughs> but the point being is, it's obvious. Whenever, what if, what if we did an Anderson Scorsese combo? And that would each be, week? that would be taxing. And you compare, you compare the like contrast. All this. We go to we go we do Asteroid City and Killers of the Flower I think you Moon throw together. That, I think you should throw that by Dawson. Just just talk. Just, I hate, just those are his two favorite directors. Is he gonna have to make a guest appearance? Gosh, he'd have to be a regular co-host at that point. Those <laughs> are his two favorites in one go through. I, I think um, he'd have to be here to defend their honor. Not that I, I love them. So yeah, I, 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 I do. Uh, I do Michael well. Caine, like oh, we talking about supporting. We've been talking about the leads. Like Michael Caine has been in eight Christopher Nolan movies. But he's yeah, maybe the lead in one of those. Yeah. The value and like we were just talking about with Bill Murray and even Jason Schwartzman and people like that, or like John Goodman, Steve Buscemi, and the Coen yes. brothers, Francis McDormand would be their front and center muse, right? Yeah. In the same way that Leo and Robert De Niro would be the front and center muse for Scorsese. But you think, look at people like Michael Caine, think of people like Bill Murray, think of people like, uh, I saw one for Tim Burton. What's her name? Um, for Tim Burton? Yeah. She's in every, she's in all but one Tim Burton movies. Uh, oh my gosh, Bellatrix. Yes. Uh, Helen, yeah. Hel- Helena Helena Carter. Uh she's in all but one of his films, but she doesn't mean she's the lead in all those films. No, but it, she elevates the film it is, because of her the way they work side, together. It is a side character that otherwise like encapsulates the world in which they live in. Mm-hmm. Like the 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 tone, the just the the sense of humor. Mm-hmm. Like it is it is a better way of understanding the world in which they live in. Yep. The reason inside the, the a movie like Inside Lewin Davis works is because you have that scene with John Goodman. Scenes. Scenes. It is it There's is about a 20 minute block a, of John Goodman. Yeah, but it's a, it's an act of yeah. it is the middle part of that movie that I think otherwise for me makes it work the most. Yeah. Um and you know it's it, it's it's it works. Um but a movie like Ladies Kill- Lady Killers, where otherwise, unless like a J.K. Simmons shows up later on, mm-hmm. none of the, well Irma, Irma Hall, sh- mm-hmm. I think is in some other movies. But that is a movie where there is not; it, it's absent, it's void. Yeah. 
Um, there's some some writing styles and some director, like some cinematography stuff that that kind of lets you know, like, hey, you're in a Coen Coen Brothers movie. Which goes for Roger Deakins. I mean, Roger Deakins does ten Coen Brothers films. Yeah, he's their cinematographer. Yeah. So I mean, that's a. I mean, you talk about muses. That's also cinematography yes. muse right there. But like, you know, I I think I, I love I. I I wasn't really aware of it until Terry Gilliam really thinking about music. Yeah. Cause I don't I've never until we started doing this podcast, I've never sat and watched oh, yeah. an onslaught of films in a row. That's not like a, just a trilogy of films that you're expecting like yeah. star Wars, samesy kind of stuff anyway, but sitting down and actually dissecting a director's filmography and seeing like, Oh, Hey, Oh, Hey, Oh, Hey, Oh, Hey, each movie like, Hey, they're in this film. Yeah. The importance of a muse. And because of what we did with star Wars and Terry Gilliam, you know, when we went and saw, um, infinity pool and, mm-hmm. um, crimes of the future and all that kind of stuff realizing these directors go back to the same wells yeah uh and the importance of that and how well these actors work within that said well uh and now seeing it played out with the coen brothers as well and then looking forward to looking ahead to whether it be you know about paul thomas anderson frequently collaborates with um daniel day lewis and uh and philip seymour hoffman and yeah uh there's one more i know he collaborates with as well and then you know wes anderson who we just talked about owen wilson jason schwartz and bill murray uh scorsese de niro dicaprio um Mm -hmm. a cronenberg in review would be spectacular (laughs) it would would be it'd be something (laughs) but you know you got vigo there you know it's I never really realized how many directors have that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, like I said, Nolan with Michael Caine. Uh, I think Nolan has another one too. Um, well, Cillian Murphy's been in three Nolan films. Yes, now, but Maybe has. four. But um, regardless, I didn't realize the importance of a muse and that that was a kind of a regular, a regular thing. Yeah. Um, like Michael Keaton and Tim Burton, you could say that they've been in three or four films not together. Jack Black or not Jack Black. I was like, whoa, what? <laughs> I am missing a sect of Tim world? Burton somewhere. Um, Used to, you could say Adam McKay and Will Ferrell, but yeah. that's uh, I think you, I think you could still say that. Well, then Adam, that, that should be the poster child in the peak of their thing. Well, it, you couldn't peak, beat a McKay Will Ferrell combo. Yeah, it's comedy, yeah, but still don't broader, hit that McKay Will Ferrell combo. A broader um, demograph, yes, but people that really pay attention to this stuff, like they they notice. Again, I, I think this 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 concept of muse, I think it overall it helps people understand that this world of cinema, it's mm-hmm. it's just a small world. Like the same way that you run into somebody at the supermarket and you find out that they're friends with somebody else that you know, you you have that moment of like, mm-hmm. oh, that's a small, small world. Yeah. Um, all these people are connected in ways that, you know we all can relate with. Um, and it's just, it, it, it's kind of cool to, to see these relationships uh, kind of come to life in a way that otherwise entertain us. Um, the, the, my main reason for um, liking the directors and types of movies that I do is because of the obvious relationships that the, actors or actresses have with directors of yeah. the movies, not because of one actor's, you know, one-off performance in a movie. Right. Um, I think that's what, what makes it, um, what makes the movies more enjoyable. That's what feels more like art to me. Yeah. So, so to poise a question to you off the top, I know you hate these kind of things. Yeah. If you had to be amused for any d- director, <laughs> yeah. who would you choose right now? Right now? 
right now. Please don't take mine. It's probably Wes Anderson. Okay, good. You didn't take mine. Yeah. If I if I was thinking if yeah. I could be amused for anybody right now, fitting what my, I like, my personality type, who I feel like I would work yeah. well under, not just like sure, I'd love to be amused for Scorsese or Steven Spielberg or somebody like that. Yeah. That'd be cool, but I don't know if that would be my my niche. Jordan Pill. <laughs> cool. Yeah. I think that's a, a perfect blend for me. Humor, sci-fi, just crazy. Not not just his three action, like yeah. live action films, but his Wendell and Wild uh Netflix stop motion film. Yeah. I think Jordan Pill would be who I'd want to and we'll see how Zach Kreger's second film is shaping up with a studied cast to follow up Barbarian, his next film. A sci-fi comedic horror film. Those are three things that I just yeah. I'm all about, whatever that is. Uh if he hits if he executes well with that, you know, Zach Kreger could be another another one that goes that goes down that route. And if I had to be a actor pair in Muse, yeah. Be Jack Black or Paul Rudd. I'd love to just work with both of those guys. Am I wrong for wanting to be Owen Wilson? I don't know. For West End? Like you I just, just don't want to be Owen like... Wilson's daughter. <laughs> At least his bastard you, you daughter. To, you, okay, I was like, you have to give some explanation for that. You for, don't know that for some. No, I'm just saying for anybody else. Uh-huh. I, know, I feel like that's a deep. That's a long story short. Actually, I I, I blame the mom. Yeah, Owen Wilson had a daughter with like a either a fan or something that yeah. was a little sketchy and he signed his rights away way before the daughter was ever born didn't yeah. want to know anything about her yep. but he would obviously pay a hefty child support for her she'd never want for anything right Yeah. well now that the daughter's like six seven years old the mom has now been like Owen Wilson doesn't want anything to do with his daughter knock me up so I actually blame the mom for that Yeah. because uh, Owen Wilson made it clear like hey I don't I yep. don't want it before way before that she even, he even knew the sex of the once he just knew they were having a baby he's like I'm you know it was an accident. Yeah, I think whatever. when you're given the option of uh, participation and uh, it's it's understood on both sides that you're not, you can't throw that out there. Um, anyway, that was a side tangent, sorry. For, for me, personally, yeah, I think the, I, I don't have the personality of an old Wilson, but that, that role mm-hmm. of all of them feels the most enjoyable. Yeah. So and yeah. like the diverse cast you get to work yeah. with is great. Yeah, yeah. I get to work with David Kalu- or Daniel Kalua. That'd be a <laughs> fact. He's in two of those three, and and, and so, actually he's in Wendell and Wild too. So yeah. technically three of the four. But anyway, yeah, no, it's an interesting, just I mean, short little topic, but interesting topic that I feel like I I never really thought of up until recently. Yeah, and it's just the value of a muse, um, and and what that means. So. So next week, when we when we jump into our interview section, are we gonna do three this time since we didn't yeah. do. So we'll do Miller's Crossing. Yep. Oh brother, where art thou? Yes, because that was on this next yes. week's list. And um, Barton Fink. Those were okay. the three yeah. on deck. I think I think this will be a good. Or a, the the only thing if you wanted to switch Barton Fink up and do no, one of the let, westerns. No, no, let's Let, do it. Okay. No, I think we need to keep. We have three westerns coming. We, we need to keep True Grit and Ballad uh, of Buster Scruggs. Really? Was that well, it? We have three westerns, so depending. That's why I didn't know if you wanted to break them up. You got No Country for Old Men, which is a modern western. Then you have True Grit. Tried and true western. Yeah, Ballad of Buster Scruggs, a comedic western. And what else after that? Intolerable cruelty. Uh, and oh brother, we're out there on Miller's Crossing. That's what we got left. So Miller's Crossing's one this week. Oh brother, we're out there. That was one this week. So now I'm just trying to find the third. So let's see. Letterboxed. Yes. So we have, yeah. So if we do three, that will leave us with one, two, three. So we could do two more weeks of this, really. 
or wait, one, two, three. You're no. feeding Milk Country for old men. Yeah. Yeah. So we have one, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. We have seven movies left to go. So three weeks. Yeah. Uh, so what do you basically the question is what do you want to pair with a no oh brother where art thou on Miller's Crossing? Oh brother where art thou has to be with uh I think I think we pair that with intolerable cruelty Just because that's a George because that's a George Clooney. Okay. Um and then do Buster Scruggs with it as well. Wait. Because then you get Tommy Lee Jones. That's four movies. Oh brother where art thou? Miller's Crossing. Okay. Well, shoot. Here lies the dilemma. I don't know. Make the decision. I got to use the restroom when you finish this We're podcast. Miller's Crossing. Okay. Oh, brother, where okay. art thou? And I don't want to watch a bummer of a film. I don't want to watch Intolerable Cruelty this week. So we're going to pair that with a good movie then? Yeah. Bring it down a notch. Which movie? Uh, Maybe maybe No Country for Old Men. Oh, my God. I can't <laughs> do that. I can't do that to that. <laughs> what, 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 no, we always talked about True Grit with No Country. Yeah, why don't we do Barton Fink and Intolerable Cruelty together? Okay. Two unknown entities. So for this week, we'll do Mother, uh, Miller's Crossing, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou, and uh, Buster Scruggs. Okay, sounds good. All right, I, and I we're doing those well. three. Yeah, I think three. That, three. Three, three, okay. three movies. So three, three, this three, has three, been three. another episode of Mostly Film. Yeah. We've walked you through Fargo, we've walked you through the Lady Killers, and we've walked you through the value of a muse yes. in Hollywood. Uh, if you like what you listen to, make sure to like, subscribe, give us a listen, give us a rating, let us know that you love us, you want us, but not like Owen Wilson. Not like that kind of want us. Okay. Because uh, we, we we won't be there and I don't have the money to pay you off. So um, <laughs> this has been some of film. I'm one of your hosts, Jonathan McCorder, joined by my beautiful co-host, JP Paton. Until he watches Puss in Boots and it'll go to JP Payton. So whenever he decides <laughs> to watch Puss in Boots, we'll get his last name correct. Yep. Uh, thank you for joining us. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.